Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to church. It's so good to see you. If you haven't made your way to your seat yet, then please uh, locate one. If you can't find one, then somebody at the back will be able to help you out. It's so good to see you. Welcome to Living Hope Belfast today and to those who are tuning in online as well. We're so glad that you've chosen to gather with us today. Can I invite you all to stand to your feet? We're going to begin our service by worshipping together. Gave us his one and only son to 
come laving down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God that's still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust the power of your word and off to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place beyond the ocean waves when i walk through the waters i won't be overcome when i go through I will not be drowned, my God will make a way, so I am not afraid. You keep the promises you made, there isn't one that is delayed.
working even when i can't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i can't see it you're working even when i can't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i can't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are oh you are the way way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are oh you are the way way maker miracle worker promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are oh you are the way way maker miracle worker promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are church isn't it good that God has placed us in the season we are in. Whatever, whatever your circumstances look like, look like right now in life, God is with you and He is working in them. So often we feel we feel alone, we feel hard pressed. It feels like every every side, every angle, everywhere we turn, sometimes life just gets to us. But it's good to know that God promises to God's people that he is with us, he is for us, and church, he will not forsake us. He has not forgotten about you. He is with you, and he is making a way for you. He already has. Through his son Jesus on the cross, if you're found in him today, that way has already been made for you. When the things of this world come at you, when the enemy comes at you, God is with you. He is for you, church. And you know, later on in the service, Pastor Matt's going to bring a message. I'm going to talk about being hard-pressed on every side. going to talk about what, when we face trials in life and what that looks like. And I hope for you that looks like turning to your Savior turning to the one who has mapped it all out, who holds it all together, who is in all things and through all things, and church who is making a way for you. We're going to sing that bridge again, even when I don't see it, you're working because we have to believe that he's working. If we don't, why are we here? We have to believe that there's something, there's something greater going on. There's more at play, church. God is with us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. He never stops, church. He never stops. Even when I don't see it, you're working. 
Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, you are the way, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are the way. We make a miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Lord, we thank you for your table. We thank you for your perfect plan for our lives. God, we thank you that you made a way where there was no way. God, thank you for our access. Thank you for our position. God, we praise you and we worship you for all that you're doing and for all that you are. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Thank you, church. You can take your seats. Amen. No? Oh, thank you. Good morning, church. Nice to see you all this morning. Praise God you're here, and we're about to give thanks for this table, for this cross, this mercy seat that we have this morning. Thank you for the worship team, that was wonderful. Uh, it's great, our church is really blessed with so many young people in the worship team. And not so young, there's a few golden oldies, which is very nice too. <laughs> so it's wonderful, God brings us all together in worship uh, to him. He is worthy to be praised this morning. He's worthy to be our, of our thanks to receive our thanks this morning. So we just pray that uh, we would be worthy of him, actually. Okay, this morning I'm going to, um, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And I think that's wonderful. And I want to look a wee moment at that word, behold. About two weeks ago, uh, I was sitting in church and it dropped into my heart and that was it, behold. I thought, the next day I kept coming back and back and I said, Lord, what is this behold you're talking about? Anyway, 
nothing else came, only behold. So I went and looked up the word behold, and it says um, to perceive through sight or to gaze upon. And just in that instant, I felt the Lord say to me, behold the cross. And you know, it was just the, not just a fleeting glance, is to behold, to gaze upon, to actually see Jesus on the cross. And I thought that was wonderful. This is what the Lord has given me, and I pray truly that it will bless you as it has blessed me. Okay. Um, I'm going to read in the notes. Um, maybe behold the cross this morning and see God's gift to us, his one and his only son, his beloved son. Maybe gaze upon him and see what he has done for us. He took our penalty of sin. He took the wrath of God for you and for me. He took our punishment on the cross. That was intended for us, the separation from God. And he found, he gave us a way back to the Father. We are sure of our eternal destiny today because of God's Son. You know, our focus is always looking at Jesus and the cross, and rightly so, because he's worthy to be praised. But just for a few moments, I would like to look um, at what Jesus seen from the cross. Jesus seen the two thieves, one mocking and one appealing for mercy. He saw the Roman soldiers who so brutally beat him, and now they're casting lots for his garments. We see uh, the woman weeping at the cross, and we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the beloved disciple. We see what Jesus sees, sorry. Um, and as I, I thought of that, I thought, oh Lord, did you see me? And yes, he did. Yes, he did. Not only did he see all that, but he's seen beyond time. And he saw the disciples when he said, you know, wait in the upper room, you shall receive power. And you shall go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we have been that recipient this morning. We have heard the gospel. We have seen Christ. And that's just wonderful. I, I just thought that was amazing. Uh, and probably I'm not giving you all that the Lord was speaking into my heart for, but I was truly, truly blessed. And, you know, as he sees us, he saw three times. When he saw his disciples doing that, but he saw three times. And he sees us this morning. He saw us three times, and he beheld us. And he believed that we were to die for. And that's why he came to the cross. We were to die for. God loved us so much that we were to die for. How amazing. God's compassion that so vile a worm should prove. This stupendous bliss of heaven. This unmeasured wealth of love. And that's not just for me this morning. That wealth of love is for you too. For all those who have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say for, to anyone who's not saved this morning... God loves you. God cares for you. God pursues you. And it's, as he lavishes his love on us, he lavishes it on you too. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will take hold of this. You will grasp what God has done for you. Amen. We're just going to go around the table and we're going to accept.
again, if there's anyone not saved among us this morning, just let the cup pass from you, okay? The Bible says in um, 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, okay? For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. We declare your majesty, O God. We proclaim that your name is exalted. Father God, we thank you for your one and only son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you so willingly came. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that body that was broken and marred more than any man's. Pray, O oh, Father, that we'll eat worthily in the name of Jesus. Amen. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had stopped saying, This blood is a new testament in my or, this cup is a new testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just thank you this morning for your blood that you so freely shed. Thank you for your mercy, O oh God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Uh, we're going to sing one more song, so I'll invite you to stand to your feet before Pastor Matt comes to bring the word. What a wonderful name. 
Church, allow me to pray as Pastor Matt comes to bring the word. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your table and all that it represents. God, we thank you that we are known as sons and daughters of God. Thank you, Lord, for the word that has been prepared. God, we pray that you would bless your servant as he would share it. And God, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to respond. God, we thank you for this place. We thank you for where you have placed us. And it's in your son's holy and precious name we give thanks. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for team for leading us in worship. For Liz for leading us at the table. What a tremendous verse that is. That Liz shared at the table. So appropriate for the table. You know when John writes that verse in 1 John 3 verse 1. He's an old man. He's writing to encourage the troubled Christians. The ones that are facing many trials. And as an old man he really writes uh, two great things that he's learned in his life. So relevant for us this morning. And as Liz said, when the power of the word behold, almost like an announcement is about to be made, behold, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And it just says two wonderful truths. One, the great love that God has poured out and each and every person, us here included. And then it gives us the, our identity, not just who we belong to, it's, it's, it's who we are as well as whose we are when he says we're children of God which is a second great truth in the verse some people need to hear that this morning just how greatly loved you are and that you're a child of his because John finishes that verse and he says he says that is who we are that's his announcement as he declares behold that is who we are children of God because of the love that is poured out on each and every one of us there is no greater truth this morning than God loves each and every one of us and in the middle of the trials and the troubles that John as an old man is writing to the fellow Christians about he's just simply sharing two great simple truths that will encourage them in everything that they are facing and as he's written those words by the power of the spirit uh, and what God did they are still relevant to us today in Living Hope Belfast on the last day of July in 2022 that's the power of God's word amen isn't that great that's not my sermon by the way that's just a wee <laughs> that's just a wee intro some of you are glad some of you are thinking, I wish that was a sermon this morning. That's just a wee intro and stuff for, for that. I'm going to do the announcements at the end because I think the worship has led us to a place where it's just right just to go straight into uh, the Word of God because we are continuing on with our highs and lows series, looking at different Bible characters and what they teach us uh, in the trials and the troubles and the difficulties that we face in life. You know, God is with us. And this is true of all the characters we've looked at. He's with us in the highs and he's with us in the lows. We often talk about the Christian life as the mountaintop experiences when everything's great or the experiences in the valley when things aren't so good. You know, and I remember sharing a quote with you when we did uh, one of the sermon series last year. The mountaintops are great. They're brilliant for views. Those of you who've got up 
ever got up mountains, some of you love to climb mountains and stuff, when you get to the top, they're great, the view is there, provided there's no clouds, it's a great achievement. In my younger days, I did climb a couple of mountains in England, the highest one in England and Wales, you may be surprised, but I did. Some of you are still not believing me, eh? I shall provide photographic evidence for next Sunday. And, um, and as you stand at the top, you see the views. But there's something else that's true about mountaintops. Nothing grows up there. Nothing grows there. Nothing grows on top of a mountaintop. It's every views. Everything grows in the valley. And that's so true of the Christian life often, isn't it? That we have our mountaintop experiences, but nothing grows up there. Everything really grows down in the valley, sometimes in the tough times, in the times where we've just got to keep going. And that's really the theme of uh, today's, because we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And Joseph, probably more than anybody, experienced the highs and the lows in his walk with God, just when he thought everything was working out, something else happened. And it took him from a high to a low, to a high to a low. But God was always in control. You know, believers on a journey, we would have all at some point asked the question, where did it go wrong? What did I do wrong? Why am I suffering this? Why am I in trouble? Oh God, would you give me a break? Has anybody prayed that prayer? Remember, you're in church, so don't lie. <laughs> we would have prayed that prayer. You know, all the way through the New Testament, right from when Jesus speaks to the disciples in the last night in John 16, verse 33. One of his words of encouragement, you might not think it's very encouraging, but one of his words of encouragement were, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It says, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, verse 6, he says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. James picks it up when he says in 1 verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Whenever we're facing trouble, to consider the joy. To, he says, consider it pure joy. But there must be a point to these trials. There must be a point to this trouble. There must be a point to these difficulties that we go through. Often uh, preachers and Sometimes teaching that we hear, they portray this idea that once you become a Christian, actually everything's going to be easier. Uh, everything's going to be smoother. It's going to be a bed of roses till you get to heaven. You've God on your side now, and if God is for us, who can be or what can be against us? So we don't expect any trouble. That's actually not New Testament teaching. Actually, New Testament teaching for most of them is actually there's going to be trouble, there's going to be trials, there's going to be difficulties, you suffer all kinds of griefs, there's going to be hard situations and circumstances, but God is working through all of them. He's working through all of them to do what he needs to do in your life. You see, trials can come in any sort of shape and size, as we know. Some of our trials can be long, some of them can be short, some of them can be emotional, physical, mental, circumstantial. They come with varying degrees of difficulty. And the only thing they have in common for us as believers is that God is doing something in our lives where we're going through all of them. And that should be an encouragement for you this morning. You see, God often looks at our lives and it is necessary for us 
to experience a trial for us to grow spiritually for God to do the work that he needs to do in our life sometimes it's necessarily to go through the trouble and the trials and you're looking at it and saying Pastor Matt that's not really very encouraging this morning could you not do the Barnabas message again where you encouraged everybody <laughs> but this is encouraging because the truth of it is this is God has a design and a purpose behind every one of your trials we often fail because we don't see what God is trying to do with the trial which is more often than not teaching us to trust in him and persevere perseverance often is the most underrated quality in the Christian life just simply the ability just to keep going to get up tomorrow morning and to keep going through the difficulties through the trials through the trouble to keep going and persevere we see this in the life of Joseph and at a particular point in his life he finds himself in prison we find Joseph at one of the lowest moments of his young life we find him as a young man and the dislike of his brothers had decided well they decided first of all to kill him and they thought that may be a bit drastic that that is a bit drastic so what they decided to do was sell him into slavery into Egypt and then to tell his father that he was dead he's there purchased by a man called Potiphar at this point Joseph's thinking had a bit of a low experience things are getting better I'm now going into Potiphar's house and that so he quickly rises to a place of authority and prominence however he was a good-looking man and so Potiphar's wife has eyes for Joseph and she attempts to get him to sleep with her he refuses and actually tries to run away from her and we know the story that he leaves the garment his garment in her hand and after she's being spurned by Joseph she suddenly decides to accuse Joseph of attempting to rape her her husband who is a high-ranking Egyptian official has Joseph thrown into the king's prison and we see that Joseph is now here in the passage we're going to read and he's in prison now at this point in his life because he doesn't have what we have when we read back and we look at the story I doubt that he's sitting there at this point thinking hallelujah this is all part of God's plan he says we have to face that reality he's not but he is sitting there thinking to himself what is happening to me in my life it's bad enough my brothers who didn't like me instead of killing me sold me into slavery I thought everything was going to work out all right when they sold me into Potiphar's house I thought everything was going well now I've been accused of this now I find myself in prison and so we look at this and we say to ourselves in this one story of four verses we're looking at the highs and lows but we're looking at how God is with us through every difficulty and circumstance he does not leave us when we face the difficulties and the trials of life he never leaves us in Psalm 23 and this encourages me all of the time when it talks about the valley of the shadow of the death of the valleys that we go through in life there is always one that walks beside us in the valley always one that leads us in the valley he never leaves us alone and the truth that comes through this this is in this passage here with Joseph in Genesis 39 and we'll see the two key verses out of these but he says Joseph's master took him and put him in prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined but while Joseph was there in prison the Lord was with him he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden 
So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. There, there are only four verses there. And in two of those four verses, it gives us the promise. We've shared this from the beginning of the year, that God not only keeps his promises, he keeps his people. And we see that here just in these four verses where twice it says, the Lord was with Joseph. He's in prison. He, he, he is confined because that's his current circumstances as summed up in verse 20. The NIV tells us he's confined. The King James tells us he's bound. The message tells us he's locked up. That's all the same thing, isn't it? Here he could be, he could be sitting there feeling he is no closer to God's plan for his life than at any other point. He's in prison, he's bound, he's confined, he's locked up, yet God is still with him. Joni Erickson Tada says this, nothing is a surprise to God, nothing is a setback to his plans, nothing can thwart his purposes, and nothing is beyond his control. You this morning might have thought to yourself, I have messed up God's plan for my life. You, my friends, are not that powerful. You, my friends, are not that strong. He says, even though we mess up, God takes into account all of the difficulties, all of the trials, all of the troubles, all of the choices, all of the decisions, all of the failures, all of the mistakes, everything that incorporates our life, and nothing is a surprise to him. Nothing sets him back. Nothing deters him or thwarts his plans for our life. And we see that here simply in the life of Joseph where he has lost his liberty and he's held against his will. So he's a place of, of harshness for him. And this brought pain into the life of Joseph. But often those are the times that we learn the most powerful lessons, isn't it? So it's often, you know, when we're sitting in a level of comfort, we struggle to learn the lessons sometimes that God is teaching us. Sometimes we have to be made uncomfortable. Sometimes there has to be some trouble. Not that we go looking for trouble, because trouble finds us often, more often than not in our lives. But there is a sense of discomfort, because God wants to teach a lesson to Joseph, because he has a bigger plan for him further down the line. You see, sometimes what we do is we give up in the middle of the difficult time when we're halfway through the lesson that God is trying to teach us. Joseph's life started out with being given an assignment to go to his brothers in the field. He was then given another assignment to look after Potiphar's house. He's now given a third assignment, which is to take care of the prison. All of this was preparing him for his final assignment, which was to be the prime minister, really, of the land, because there was a famine coming. So we would look at it and say, God, this is not fair. Why am I going through all this trouble again? And he says, actually, God is working out something in his life that began with Joseph being given a small assignment that would lead to the biggest assignment of them all, which God had called him to do. So I'm encouraging you this morning, don't give up halfway through the lesson. Don't quit, keep going. 
because God is still working, he's still fulfilling his purpose and his plan. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, when he was locked up in the prison house, it must have seemed to him as he sat there, leaning against the wall with all the time in the world to think, where's God now? Where's those dreams that he placed into my heart? Where, where, where's that plan that he's got for my life? And he's sitting there, and he's probably feeling sorry for himself. And, and we would do that, I would do that. I would sit and think, well, God, where are you? We're going to do all of this, God. And God is still at work. He's still allowing us that. That means still working because he's still doing something. And you see, Joseph's going nowhere fast here. He feels like God has forgotten him. Joseph felt alone, deserted, defeated by the trials and the promised problems that he faced. But God's not given up on him. He's not quit on him. You see, the prisons of life can make us feel that way. You might feel bound up by something this morning. You might feel confined because of a circumstance in your life today. You may feel as though that you're not in a physical prison, but maybe an emotional prison or a, or a mental prison or something that just keeps you locked up where you are. And you think to yourself, well, how can God do anything here? How, how can he move here to change this situation? God dropped this into my heart, and this is so true for us today, that, that, that God not only knows about the prison that holds you, but he has the key to set you free. I thought that might excite a couple more of you. <laughs> Let me just say that again for those who can't read. God not only knows about the prison that holds you, but he has the key to set you free. Amen. Nudge a person next to you, wake them up. How true is that? Not only knows the prison, and many of us, and I would do this, I spend my time telling God about the things that confine me, the things I feel locked up by, the things that I'm bound by, and I can say, oh God, you're not going to do it. They're not realizing. He knows about the prison, but he's got the key as well that sets me free. And his freedom sometimes that we want. And he knew this with Joseph's situation here, because it all depends on what we were looking at. You know, there were three ways, there were four ways, sorry, that we can look at what happens to us. Actually, there's three, sorry. There's the first one we look at, it's our perspective. And it means a particular attitude towards uh, something or regarding something, a point of view. How we see something. You know, some people are very positive, some people are very negative. People are the glass half full, the glass half empty. Some people are so negative, they develop in a dark room. You know, those sort of people. <laughs> because it depends what everybody sees. It's the perspective. The three perspectives. And we will all relate to this. The first one is this hindsight. It's an understanding of a situation or event only after it has happened or developed. You cannot change it. You married men know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> hindsight, when we look at something and something has happened, you know, hindsight always gives us the right answer. If you notice that, when you do something, and if you do something incredibly stupid, and at times I've done that in my life, but then so have you, and you look at something and think to yourself, if only I had done it that way. That's the sort of thing you're looking at. You're out driving and suggest a shortcut, or you're out driving and there's a better way to, you know, a hindsight and you go, you get stuck in a traffic jam. Hindsight 
or your wife will tell you that you should have gone. You should have gone, eh? You should have gone. You're relating to it now, aren't you? Eh? You should have gone the other way, and, and she's going to tell you that. Or sorry, hindsight's going to tell you that. And, and so that's what we do. We're not, but we do that with our lives. We look at our lives, and we spend so much time looking backwards. Oh, if only I hadn't done that. If I'd done this instead, or, you know, I made that decision, I made that decision. The hindsight is so closely uh, associated with regret. And we all know what regret is. We feel sad about something, disappointed over something that someone has done or failed to do. We regret that we remember never said the words that needed to be said. We regret maybe that we never did the things that we should have done. It's an awful thing to live with regret. Uh, and regret actually keeps so many people back in their lives from doing what God has called them to do. Because often at times I look at it and say, I tried this before. I, I don't want to look silly in front of people. Even though God has called you to do something, even though God has told you to act, we're often stopped because of something that has happened in the past. You know, Joseph sits there in his prison cell. He's all the time in the world to think. And when you have all the time in the world to the think, think, you tend to think of all the things that have happened. You just do. If you have any time to think, you're sitting there thinking and things have happened, you think of all the things that have happened. And of all the things that have happened, there isn't anything you can do about it. You can actually only just think about them. Joseph is sitting there and he's thinking to himself, you know, it doesn't say this in scripture, but I would imagine with all this time in the world, he's thinking about his dad, his relationship with his brothers, he's thinking about Potiphar's house, he's thinking about the woman that accused him, and he's probably sitting there thinking, if only I'd done this, if only I had made this decision. In hindsight, if I had done this, I wouldn't find myself sat in this prison cell today. And he spends all this time thinking over everything that has happened to him. That's his regret and his hindsight. That's his perspective. But there is another perspective that we have as believers, and this is the most important one, is trust. See, when it comes to trust, and trust is the hardest one, because trust is us saying, I'm at that point in my life where everything that's happened, the point I come to, that God is using all of that to help me become the person he wants me to become. That actually there's no accidents, there's nothing that's caught God by surprise, there's nothing that's a setback, there's nothing like that that's gone. Now actually I'm trusting God because he is in control. God is not caught by surprise what happened to Joseph, he's not caught by surprise by what happens to you. He says, and so our perspective, rather than being hindsight and regret, looking at the things that we could have changed, that we can't change, is to trust God. Is to put our trust in him that he has the purpose for our life and the plan for our life. You see, your perspective upon your trials has to be grounded and built on something. For Joseph, it was this simple truth that was that was repeated in this passage twice in the four verses it's this the Lord was with him the Lord was with Joseph why didn't God turn around to Joseph and say to him fancy getting yourself accused by that woman fancy putting yourself in that position where you left yourself open 
Fancy ending up in this prison cell. And God could have pointed the finger at him over several things, but he didn't. In these four verses, it just simply declares the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. And he's saying, if you change that today to your name in your situation, he is with you today. There is no greater truth than that. God is with you today. Whatever circumstance you are facing, whatever prison cell you feel you are in, whatever you are bound by, whatever you feel locked up by, it says whatever it is, he's with you. What a great truth that is. It says this is not seven principles to a better lifestyle as a Christian. It's just two promises of the word of God in a difficult situation. God is with you. That's it. And he repeats it. For the, the daft people, he says, three verses later. God was with Joseph. Just that. In the prison cell. He says, because God was working out a plan. Because if God blessed Joseph in the pit, if he blessed Joseph the slave, we are not surprised to see that he blessed Joseph in prison. None of these terrible circumstances changed or defeated God's plan for Joseph's life because God's plan oversees all of that it comes over all of that because God is working out the final act for Joseph to save a nation from seven years of famine and he's got to go through this and you can't always explain to people why they have to go through some of the trials and troubles that they go through and why some people go through tougher times than others the only thing that connects them all is this is God is with you that's the only thing that connects whatever. Whether you look at it and say that's an easy one or that's not a hard one or that's a challenging one or that's a real life or death sickness or whatever it is. The common denominator is God is with them. What a powerful truth that is. God's plan overcomes all of that. God's love for us as we heard at the table, it, it overcomes all of that because we're his because we belong to him I always love the story and this is a wee sideline here love the story of Peter before Jesus goes to the cross and they come to arrest him and he chops the soldier's ear off you know you wonder why do I like that story well I do and he chops the soldier's ear off Jesus heals the soldier there as they come to arrest Jesus Peter goes on a journey Seven weeks later, it's a day of Pentecost. He says, who's the main speaker? Peter, the one who chopped the ear off. I mean, imagine if I stood up in church today and said to you, you know that preacher that chopped the ear off? He's coming to preach here in seven weeks. Wouldn't you all be like, yeah, I'm not sitting on the front row that morning. <laughs> God doesn't always do it our way doesn't always do the, the way we expect him to he does it his way because he's teaching us something and it doesn't matter where we're in the pit whether we're a slave or whether we're in prison God still blessed Joseph and so regardless of the circumstances in your life you can hold fast to the promise of God that he is with you you know the plan of God should be this and I saw this the other day we think the plan of God is we go from A to B to C to D to E. Then, uh, you know, some of you, yeah, 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 okay. 
So we look a bit confused, so I stop around. <laughs> we think that's how God works. But actually, God often works where he takes us from A to W, back to C, back to F, over to Z, back to V, back to B. And that's the way God often works in our life. We think it's a straight line that he just works it, but often God doesn't do that. More often than not, he's working that way. And we can't always see it, but we know if we hold on to what Joseph held on to, which that God was with him, then in all of our circumstances, in all of our trouble, in all of our experiences, we look for what God is teaching us and preparing us for. You see, we have a wonderful advantage here today. So we read the story of Joseph. We see that it all worked out in the end. Uh, Joseph the, became the prime minister. He saved the nation. He, bought, he, he, he met his brothers again. He saw his father again. Uh, and, you know, we, we know the famous verse in Genesis. What, what you intended to harm me, God meant it for good. That just sums up his whole life, doesn't it? And how he could say that, what a great statement of faith that he simply says, from the pit as a slave, in prison, falsely accused, all of this stuff together was meant to harm me, but God meant it for good. And I thought, in your life, whatever you're facing, the challenge of today, everything that's gone on, he says, listen, what others meant to harm you, what was meant to ruin you and destroy you, says God meant it for good. And he is with you always through everything. Isn't that a wonderful bit of news this morning? If nothing else you remember, you remember that. I finish with this. It might take a few setbacks, a few trials, and a few storms along the way. But God will get you exactly where you need to be. If you don't believe me, read the rest of the story of Joseph. He'll get you to exactly where you need to be. Hold on today. Not because you're faithful, because we let him down. Because he is faithful and he never lets us down. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this day. We were reminded through your word, Father, two wonderful, powerful promises in these verses. That God, that you were with Joseph in the prison as you were with him in the pit as you were with him in Potiphar's house as you were with him as he was the prime minister of the land and we thank you Father God that that same promise is relevant to each and every one of us sitting here today in each and every circumstance and situation that every person in this church is facing we can declare over it that you are with them and Father, where we see things that may turn out bad or not right, Father, what people intended to harm us, you meant it for good. And you do mean it for good. And we hold on to that promise today. For Father, the truth of what we're reading is tied up in you do not only keep your promises, you keep your people as well. And we are your people. And we thank you for your faithfulness to our lives today in Jesus name Amen Amen Amen. Church I invite you to stand we're going to sing our final song together
strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you meet us in our morning with a love that casts our fear. You are working in our waiting. You're sanctifying us. When beyond our understanding, you're teaching us to trust. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Your 
going to the passage in verse 20. Joseph was bound up, he was locked up, imprisoned. And I just think there were some people in here this morning, God knows all about your prison, but he has the key to set you free as well. And we just simply, if you're bound this morning by illness, if you're bound this morning by sickness, if you're bound this morning by any issue whatsoever, listen, we, we want to pray for you at the front. We're going to call upon the elders of the church, do what the scripture says, and we just want to pray for you this morning. God is here. There is a theme that has run through church this morning. We do not want you to go home without having done business with God because that's what this is about. It's not just about getting through some songs and the table, hearing a sermon and going home. It's about today being a life-changing day for you, but for something that you feel bound up by, something that you feel imprisoned by, then we want to pray for you this morning. So listen, if that's you, then please just come on out to the front as the elders join me, we're going to pray. Don't be shy, let's do this. This is God doing a work. Hallelujah. Could be something in your life you're struggling with and you're saying, you know what? I want to give God the opportunity to do something today. Ladies, come, come forward a bit. Come forward a bit. Come forward. Move along the front. Let's, let's fill up here. But ladies, move along, please. <laughs> we keep going. This side's obviously the spiritual side, because no one knows how. I might move over a bit, and then we're just going to begin to pray for these. While you're there, just worship and pray that God would set people free. He knows our prisons, but he has the key to set us free as well. Let's begin to pray.
Father, we thank you for your plan, which is perfect, because it has been designed by perfection itself. God, I thank you for the ministry that has taken place in this house today. God, I thank you that you use us. God, I thank you that you minister through us and to us. And God, I pray for those who would need a touch, for those who would need healing, for those who would need restoration. I pray for those who, who have come forward, those who have not. And God, we thank you that you are working for their good. Thank you that your plan is ultimately good. And God, I pray that today as we would leave this place, would your Holy Spirit continue to minister to us. 
God, would we share with the world what we have? God, would we tell the world what it is, who we are, and whose we are? God, thank you for your people. Thank you for your house. Thank you for your word. It's in your son's holy and precious name we give praise. Amen.